Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together podcast, where I provide you with actionable steps for making your classroom management plan effective by incorporating behavioral and social-emotional learning activities into your daily teaching. Hi, I'm Maria, and I have 10 years experience in the field of behavior analysis. In each episode, I will be providing you with effective and evidence-based strategies you can use to create a classroom environment you want to go to each morning. No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. and welcome to this episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. Today we have Rebecca from Ready, Set, Teach, and she's going to be giving us her top tips for new or early career teachers to really jumpstart your teaching career. And she's going to be walking us through the different action steps or first steps you can take to executing these tips in your classroom. So let's just get right into it. All right, everyone, we're here with Rebecca. Rebecca, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Hello to all your listeners. I am Rebecca. I am super excited to be here. I actually have a podcast as well. Um, I have a podcast that is called Ready, Set, Teach, and it's all about helping new teachers prepare for those situations and emotions that we just are not expecting when we start a classroom. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you could probably relate to that. Um, So I'm excited to talk about some tips for new teachers. I also, if you just want to like check me out on Instagram, I'm on Instagram. If you want to put a a face to a voice right now, um, my Instagram is at Miss Ready, Set, Teach. So yeah, super excited for this conversation. And thanks again for having me. Yeah, awesome. So again, Rebecca focuses on helping new teachers or early career teachers really prepare for the classroom and problem solve things that go on in the classroom that school never really prepared us for, right? And so we, we wanted to talk about today just a couple of the tips that Rebecca has for new teachers, early career teachers, like general tips, as well as tips for incorporating social emotional learning into your classroom. So that um, if that's something that you really want to focus on as an early career teacher, that we have some strategies for you. Yes. All right. So shall we dive into yeah. that? Yeah. Exciting. All right. So whenever I think about tips for a new teacher, I think back to when I was a new teacher. And when I was a new teacher, there was so much that looking back now, I think, wow, I never thought about this. I did not know about this. So what I'm going to talk about here are things that I definitely did not realize when I was a new teacher that I want to hopefully provide that support and just make you, whoever is listening to this, just feel more confident when you're in your classroom. So the first thing that I thought that we could go over today is talk about the importance of emotions. And especially, you know, when we're talking about SEL, emotions is such a huge part of that, making sure students are self-aware of their emotions, recognizing their emotions. And as our, as the educator of our students, we should really understand how important those emotions are. So now emotions play such a huge role in how we function in our classroom, how our students function in our classroom. So the sensory input that is 
you know, getting into the brains of our students. And what I mean by that is things that they are seeing, things that they are hearing are all connected to emotions. And obviously you might be listening to this and, you know, we know that our students should feel good in our classrooms. We know that our students shouldn't be feeling emotions such as embarrassment or anxiousness. But when that happens, I'm not sure that we're so certain on really what's happening and how that is so detrimental to their learning experience. So, Let's say that students who are in our classrooms are seeing things that we're trying to teach them, are hearing things that we're trying to teach them. And if that sensory input is connected with negative emotions, let's say stress, let's say anxiousness, let's say embarrassment, that sensory input that we're trying to get them to problem solve or think logically about or remember is not going to go to that part of the brain that they need it to go to if that input is connected with negative emotions. Because when sensory input is connected with negative emotions, that input is going to our fight or flight part of the brain. So essentially, when a student is feeling anxious, embarrassed, um, stressed, any of those negative emotions, our brains are like, all right, something's going on. I need to just focus on this emotion because I'm in some sort of danger right now. And even if our students aren't aren't in like physical danger, um, their brains aren't going to be able to focus on anything else. And this totally happens with us as teachers as well. Um, I have like a little story that if you don't mind me sharing, but ever since that I really realized how vital our emotions are to our sensory input, I've actually totally recognized this in myself as well. So for example, at the at the beginning of this school year, you know, where some of us are teaching hybrid. So I'm currently teaching students who are in my classroom, but then I also have students online on a Google Meet. And somehow on the Google Meet, I was like muted for my students. And it wasn't like, you know, I couldn't just hit the unmute button. It was something that I did not know was going on. And I started freaking out because then in my head, I'm like, oh my God, like I'm supposed to be teaching these kids. They can't hear me. What am I going to do? Do I have to like end class? It's only been like 10 minutes, like freaking out. So obviously my brain is not able to problem solve in a moment like that because I was stressed. I was anxious. I, I was freaking out, just didn't know what to do. And I just wound up like ending the Google meet. And then once I was able to calm myself down, I was able to problem solve the situation in about 10 seconds. So now when that happens to me in my classroom, I always remember like, okay, Rebecca, stay calm. Like you'll be able to think logically and you'll be able to problem solve. And the same thing happens with our students. And this is what I try to explain to my students as well is if you're feeling any of these negative emotions, you're not going to be able to think logically. You're not going to be able to problem solve. You're not going to be able to remember anything. So us as teachers, we have to make sure that we are establishing a positive classroom climate where Students in our classrooms are not feeling embarrassed, anxious, frustrated, stressed, 
boredom, right? All of these negative emotions are not going to work in their favor. So things that we could avoid, um, you know, sometimes we'll, no one will be participating and we'll call on kids randomly. Well, that is not really, you know, going to help them feel positive emotions, right? They might feel anxious because they're like, oh my God, I have to answer a question right now. They might be fearful or embarrassed, especially if they're not ready to answer that question. And these negative emotions are just going to be counteractive to what we really want in the classroom. So we can focus on a positive classroom climate, you know, incorporate music or movement or choice, encouragement, emotions such as validation, you know, knowing our students' names, um, having representation within the classroom, um, feelings of being welcomed, maybe greeting our students by the door, getting that positive environment from the get-go, um, you know, feelings of safety, right? So when our students know that, that they're safe from bullying, um, being emotionally safe and physically uh, safe within our space, um, feelings of appreciation. So really, focusing on emotions and letting our students know that when they are feeling any sort of negative emotion that they should be able to recognize as well, that they are not going to be able to perform at the best of their ability because they are feeling this certain type of way. So us as educators, we can just focus on creating a positive classroom environment. I mean, that was a lot of emotions. Hopefully you got something from that, but I would say that, you know, just focusing on creating an, uh, an environment that is really eliciting these positive emotions and the negative emotions are going to come, right? It's kind of inevitable. Like our students are going to feel negative emotions, but it's important for us to teach our students that when you are feeling these negative emotions, for them to recognize that they won't be able to perform at their best ability. And us as educators, we can just do whatever we can to turn those emotions around. So Absolutely. all that emotions matter. <laughs> yeah. And we talk about that on the podcast a lot in terms of like, behavior analysis and behavior analytic principles. We talk about when we're utilizing different antecedent strategies, right? So strategies that come before behavior, we like verbal prompting. If we're prompting a student to engage in a task and they are upset for any reason, upset, frustrated, embarrassed, sad about something, it's really hard to process verbal information at that point. And I think that's kind of what you were alluding to is that when we're teaching and our students are expected to absorb that verbal instruction, if they're feeling upset or overwhelmed or embarrassed, it's harder to process verbal information at that point. And therefore they might not be able to engage in the task to the best of their ability, right? So if a kid comes to us in the classroom and um, math is really stressful to them and they become upset when they can't engage in a math task, us continuing to provide like verbal prompt after verbal prompt after verbal prompt, like, come on, you can do it, let's go. Even though we think we're being really encouraging in that moment can be really hard for them to process. And then they don't really know what you're asking them to do or they might just become more upset and frustrated and 
like you were saying, building a strong classroom community is something that we always talk about. There's, I say this a lot, there's no replacement for a strong classroom community, right? Like in terms of a behavioral strategy, having a really strong classroom community where you're focused on kindness and supporting each other and compassion and validating our students' feelings, making them feel safe is going to really help with any behavioral intervention that you're going to implement. And for for new teachers, I think it's really important to recognize that some students will come to our classroom sad in the morning. Some students will come and upset. Maybe their bus was late and they became anxious because they weren't going to get to school on time or, you know, whatever it might be, they might come to us like that. But if we're supporting a strong classroom environment, a positive classroom environment, if we have that strong community in our classroom and as teachers, we recognize, okay, my student's upset. Maybe I know as the educator in the classroom, when they're upset, they have a harder time processing verbal information. I'm going to lay off the verbal prompts for a while until I see that my student's feeling better and then, you know, go talk to them, help them support them so that they're able to then process that verbal information. Yeah, exactly. And I love that you brought up there that, you know, sometimes we can't control the emotions that they feel when they're coming into our classroom. It could be something that they're feeling from their houses um, or their homes. And I teach at a secondary level. It could could be that the period before they got a really bad grade on a science test. Now they're coming to our classrooms, feeling all of these feels, and we're expecting them to, you know, just forget about that. Now they're in our classrooms and it's time to learn, but no, that's not how it works. And you're exactly right. They're not going to be able to process any verbal prompts when their brains are too focused on the emotion that is threatening to them because I mean our brains don't really understand like oh I don't you know I got a bad grade in a science test our brains think okay we're in trouble right now because I'm feeling anxious I'm feeling upset I'm feeling frustrated so our brains are only focusing on that emotion so I love that you said that you know sometimes we think that we say like, oh, come on, you can do this. Like, oh, Walmart, try this or come on, pay attention. But we really have to recognize that maybe we need to let that student just decompress, provide that support. And then when they are ready, that's when they can now continue and engage in the tasks that we're you know, attempting to get them to engage in. Um, but yeah, so important because let's be real. I mean, we can't control all the emotions that our students are feeling, but we can control how they feel within our specific classroom environment and community. So, you know, whatever we can do to just make them feel safe and supported in our space, is what we have to really focus on. Right, absolutely. And I, like the secondary level is a whole nother ball game with emotions, with yeah. social media, the text messages that go back and forth between kids, things that just are completely like out of our control. What is so essential, like you were saying with that classroom community, building an environment where they feel comfortable saying to you, I'm really sad right now, or I'm really upset. Can you give me a minute? Or can I just sit here for a minute and just let them again, decompress because there's no productivity in you being like, Nope, we got, we got to learn this material. Got to be on it. Got to be on task. This class period, they're not absorbing it anyway. If they're that upset about something, they're not absorbing it anyway. 
you're going, you're doing so much more for that student in the long run and being able to process their emotions and manage their emotions appropriately by giving them that time and space when they've asked for it in a really productive way. And, and I find the exact thing that you were saying, if you have a strong classroom community, kids will feel comfortable telling you that, or just like signaling to you, like I'm having a bad day, even if they don't tell you the reason why just and respecting that with our students, because we as adults, you know, if we're, we text a friend, like I'm having a bad day and they were like, too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, we had plans or whatever, you know, like that, that's not respectful. And especially with like older students, like you were saying the teenage brain and the emotions that go on, like the, really what we can do to set ourselves up for success is create that classroom community where they feel comfortable in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you just mentioned, you know, as educators, we have to, you know, we should be encouraging our students to recognize their emotions and being able to communicate that to you. So the least that we can do is respect that, right? Respecting that if our student comes to us and they express that they are feeling this certain type of way, we can't be that, you know, the example you said of like a horrible friend being like, oh, who cares? Like we're supposed to go to the movies. Like we're going to the mall, you know, get over it. You know, that's part of our job is to encourage our students to recognize these emotions and then respect their space and respect the emotions that they so bravely and courageously admitted to you. Mm-hmm. So just right. really important to keep in mind. And I think, you know, as a new teacher, I I don't, I know that I didn't really realize the importance of this. And I think just with, you know, SEL being huge right now, that this is really what we should be focusing on is giving our students the encouragement to express the way that they're feeling to us. And then us as educators, respecting that mm-hmm. on the other end. Right. Absolutely. And I think there's the pressure of being a new teacher of like hitting all of your teaching targets, mm-hmm. you know, and like, this is what I have to get done. These are the lessons that I have to get through, but there, there's so much value in the lesson of a student comes to you, says, I'm upset. You know, can I just sit in the back of the classroom for this period? You have, you've taught them one to express how they're feeling, which is it's hard for anyone to do, right? Especially to, you know, someone that they're not really close to. And we hope that we build those relationships with our students over time. But again, it takes time to do that and for them to be able to manage that in an appropriate way, right? They could have just skipped your class. Yeah. You know, or they could be, you know, the younger grades where, you know, kids don't move from class to class. They could be throwing a meltdown or, or throwing a tantrum or engaging in a meltdown or something as opposed to expressing it appropriately. And whatever topic you had to teach is always going to be there, right? It's that lesson is always going to be there, but the life skill that we're helping foster in our students by recognizing their emotions and validating them and giving them time to um, respond to those emotions is something that will last them all their adult years. Yeah. Not that your lesson's not important, but you know, I'm sure there are things that you can think of as a, as an educator and say like, Hey, you know, I know you were focusing on, you know, your thing today, you know, what I really want you to do is just reflect on this passage, you know, get it to me when you can or something. Mm -hmm. And so they still get that learning target. Is it as great as what you're engaging as your lesson was probably not, but like 
you know, they're contacting that material, but they're also taking care of themselves. Exactly. And I love that you said, you know, new teachers that you can see them being worried about, you know, reaching their learning target. I'm thinking like, I'm sure another thing that new teachers are worried about if this were to happen in their, in their space is, you know, well, what if, what if my supervisor or what if my principal, what if my assistant principal walks by my room and sees a student in the back, like not doing anything, like I can't let that happen. But like you said, the lesson that they would get from that and the skill that they would get from that is priceless. Like that is going to get them so much further than us keeping them in their original seat, like being like, nope, come on, you got to do this. You got to do this. Um, they're not, they're through that whole process. They're not going to grasp any information anyway. So, you know, being able to recognize emotions and you respecting that is going to take them so much further than, you know, let's say the English lesson you were trying to teach them, or I teach Spanish, the Spanish lesson, the math, science, history, um, whatever that may be for you. So, And I, and I, I can totally agree with you where teachers probably are, are worried about what if, you know, another teacher, a veteran teacher walks by or my principal or whatever walks by. Um, and I would be, and I know this is a, a difficult situation to be in as a new teacher, but I would be very, I would, I would think it'd be very hard to find an administrator that if you went and were, had open communication with them about, hey, so-and-so was having a really bad day. I know you were doing my observation. They told me they were upset. I let them sit in the back of the classroom. I'm going to touch base with them after school about the assignment when they're feeling better. Just wanted to let you know they weren't just sitting there doing nothing, that your administrator would be like, sing your praises as opposed to being like, well, <laughs> shouldn't have done that, you know? Because I think that having the skills to handle that situation in that way speaks volumes than, you know, keeping the student where he or she is forcing the material into them. And then your administrator being like, what was wrong with that student? Like, what were they doing? But if you actually handle the situation in that way, I think that speaks volumes. The fact that, you know, you recognize, um, their emotions and how, you know, they will not be productive in that state in your classroom. So yeah, good point to bring up because I I think you're right. I, I think, I think we're sometimes nervous about what administration is going to think if they see a student, but if you have that open communication and explain to them exactly your thought process, I cannot see them being like, Oh, that wasn't the right thing to do. Like, nope, you got to teach It'll, they'll probably be super impressed with your ability to even recognize and handle that in that, in that way. Right. So, and if, and if you're a new teacher and you're worried about it and maybe your administrator came in, did, did an observation left without really saying anything. And you're like, oh my gosh, what if they're worried about that's, you know, the student that was really upset, I would just go and have open communication with them. Just tell them like this, this was my plan. So they're not, you don't perseverate on what they could have been thinking, you know, because it could be like, hey, that kid must have been having a bad day. She has it under control or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, just have open communication with them. I think it's the same thing at the beginning of the year when we're, when I always recommend to teachers to really focus on building relationships. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, there's a lot of hustle and bustle and mm-hmm. a lot of people walking around making sure everyone has everything they need. And I know teachers can sometimes, again, be worried about that perception, like, I'm not, it doesn't look like I'm doing anything. It looks like we're having a lot of fun in this classroom and it doesn't look like I'm 
hitting any teaching targets when you're you are doing so much in terms of building relationships at the beginning of the year by creating that positive classroom environment, really engaging activities that are really fun for your students so that you can build that relationship. So the rest of the year goes smoothly because you've already laid that foundation. Every year you have to start from the ground, like the basement up of your house, right? Of like build a really strong basement and foundation of a really strong relationship with your students just being open with your administrators about that. And I know it's easier said than done when you're a new teacher, but I think it can go a long way. Yeah. And I think, you know, that was kind of like the perfect segue into another tip that I wanted to provide here is, you know, not only, you know, creating those relationships, but I think as new teachers and really any teacher, we have to remember that we you know, not only have to foster these relationships between our, ourselves and our students, um, but also the relationships between students themselves. And that sometimes our students need to be taught how to communicate and how to collaborate with one another. Um, because, you know, sometimes we think like, yes, our students love to work in groups and they love to work with one another and they just know how to do that. But in my experience, you know, especially now when students are growing up behind a screen, right? I mean, now they're behind a computer screen for school, but they're also growing up behind their cell phone screen where they are, yeah, they might be communicating communicating with their peers, but they're communicating via Snapchat, sending funny pictures, you know, communicating via TikTok or text messages um, where they might not know how to communicate and collaborate with students in person. And I know that sounds silly, but this is real, right? They don't know how to communicate and collaborate with one another when they're in person. Um, so things that I like to do is, you know, I kind of walk through with my students like, okay, when we're working in groups, we should be facing one another. I mean, the best is when, you know, you partner students up and there's one student in, you know, one student in front of the other and they remain like that. And the student behind is talking to the student in front of his or her back. And I'm always like, wait, you're talking to his, his or her back. Like, you know, let's turn the desk. Let's face each other. Um, and if anything, you could also provide students with, let's say maybe roles, have a leader, have a discussion leader, have a question generator, provide sentence starters, right? Because students in that situation might get super nervous or just feel super awkward and might not know how to start a conversation. So maybe provide sentence starters. Like, I think this? What do you think? Or I see this or I observe this, you know, obviously whatever your topic is. And now something that we have to think about as well is, you know, getting students to communicate and collaborate with each other online, right? Because now we have classes through Zoom, classes through Google Meet. And I know it's happened with my classes where I will put students into a breakout room. So they're all on a Google Meet and then it's silent and they just stare at their screen at each other. But 
this is our job, right? We have to take that time to teach and instruct our students how to communicate and how to collaborate with one another. So I think the same thing would go for when students are in a breakout room. I mean, they're already facing each other, right? Because they're all staring at their screen, but maybe it will facilitate a conversation if you provided some roles for them or provided sentence starters. So it's not like, oh, what do we say? Like, we're all just staring at each other. Like, this is awkward. Um, So really as educators, we just have to foster those communication skills because we can't assume that our students are comfortable with collaborating and communicating with one another, you know, whether it be in person or now online. So things such as providing roles, um, maybe a leader of the conversation, sentence starters, I think that could all help facilitate that collaboration, but definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that, um, that can be teaching those types of skills can be really great, fun and engaging skills to teach, like right at the beginning of the year. So we're, again, that's part of the foundation that we can lay for our students is in this class, we're going to be collaborating a lot with each other. Let's talk about what that looks like and how you can be an effective partner with your group and how you can contribute. And, you know, some of our students who have, um, different, you know, passions or, you know, they are really interested in different topics. We can also, you know, have them lead different groups and really like build those skills, like at the beginning of the year. So kids get to know each other. And I'm just like thinking as a new teacher, like all of the fun activities you could do, like right at the beginning of the year to like really build this skill with our students and foster collaboration in the classroom. And also like what a great lesson to teach our students right at the beginning of the year of um, everybody's different and everyone participates differently and let's respect how everyone is going to participate and um, really help foster that classroom community where we're supporting each other and um, really uh, kind towards one another. So I really like how you said like, that's something that we should probably be explicitly teaching our kids is how to work together um, and, and, and help support each other with whatever tasks that we're doing as a group. I just think it comes back to, you know, providing that environment where they feel comfortable to participate. I remember, so I'm in um, grad school right now. And one of my professors said like last year on this stuck with me is on the first day of class, she made every single student in my class. And I mean, now we're in grad school, but this totally can relate to our classrooms, you know, whatever level that you're teaching, but she made every single student in the class say something, right? Say something in some way. And she expressed to us that, and I wish I remembered the study that she was talking about, but there was a study that was conducted that if you speak and participate and just share something in the first class, you are going to feel like it, the study shows, and I wish I remember more details, but it just came to my head. But um, the study shows that you are so much more likely to continue participating in that class if you participate and just say something that first class, which I thought was so interesting. And I did, you know, yeah, I didn't, you know, follow up on this study. I didn't conduct this study myself, but it makes sense, right? If you 
I just think about, you know, if I'm in a class, especially in grad school, but this could really relate to any level that we're in. If you're in a class and you don't say something, one of those first couple of classes, you kind of like make that into your identity. Like, all right, well, you know what? I just don't participate in this class. And like, no one knows what my voice sounds like. So let's just keep it that way. But if you just say something, that first class, you're so much more likely to feel more comfortable with sharing something in the classes to come. Um, so now that I'm thinking about this, I'll have to look up more about this study, but um, super interesting. That's really interesting. Right? Sure. Yeah. I remember um, after I had learned that from grad school, that I was like in a, I was teaching one of my classes. I was in the, I was in a middle school at the time. And I just remember being like, all right, everyone just say something like, just say something. I mean, obviously, you know, that probably wasn't, I wasn't super productive with that, but, um, but I was just very curious to see like, if my kids just said something that they would just feel more comfortable to just share things as the class went on. So I don't know, try it out. Let us know. <laughs> Let us know if it works for you. Um, but yeah, super interesting. And um, I'll just add in one more tip. Yeah. And I think that, you know, along the lines of like SEL, you know, being self-aware of our emotions, um, there are so many ways that we can just provide check-ins with our students, which are not only allowing them to check in with themselves and being like, all right, how am I feeling right now? Like, why am I feeling this way? But it's also a way for us to check in with how they're feeling. So then we can just follow up on that. And I've seen so many teachers on the Instagram world provide like these really cool like Google form check-ins that you can use during a morning meeting. Um, and I'm sure these are like super popular. Um, or what I've done, I teach at the secondary level, so I don't have any morning meetings, but I'll provide just very simple check-in questions to my assessments. So whether my students are doing an exit ticket or just like a vocabulary assessment or a test, or just like, it could be like a small, like formative assessment, um, I just provide like maybe one or two check-in questions at the bottom of that. So it's providing them the opportunity because at the secondary level, they might not be getting these opportunities as they would in the elementary level, you know, having a morning meeting check-in. So I just like to kind of sneak it in there to any of the assessments that we're doing in class so they can just take a moment to assess how they're feeling. And then I can follow up on them, um, follow up with them if something is alarming or, you know, even if it's something positive, right? Even if it's something positive, there's no reason why you can't go to that student the next day and be like, oh, I love that you were feeling so awesome because you got a 100 on your math test, like way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just is showing your students that, I mean, especially at the secondary level where maybe they're not getting these check-ins, but it's just also just showing them that you care right? You care about how they're feeling. And if something alarming does show up and they were courageous enough to share that with you, you got to follow up on that. So, you know, if you're doing the check-ins, make sure you have the time to actually check in with them and make sure that things are good. But um, definitely providing those check-ins for them to just 
check in on themselves, but then for us to really be able to check in with how they're feeling. And you can sneak it in there on any sort of assessment that you give. So that I would say is, you know, a last tip that I could provide here is, um, you know, just making sure that especially at the secondary level, um, and I mean, obviously it's very important at the elementary level as well, um, just to provide those check-ins and just follow up with them. Right. Absolutely. I think that it can be so helpful. Like you said, with touching base with your students about positive things, or if they are feeling upset, seeing if there's any like thing you can do to help support that student or any resources that you can help use to support that student, or just like pass it along to, um, if they, if they let you pass along to another teacher saying, Hey, you know, so-and-so was really upset in my class. I know you have a max period, you know, maybe, you know, just let them chill for a little bit or something. If you have a good relationship with that teacher or or the student says you could share with somebody else um, or seeing if they want to follow up with you at the end of the day or something can be really helpful. And, and can go a long way in building your relationship with that student, right? So like you were saying at the elementary level, I know a lot of times these things are really worked into like morning meeting or they have some sort of system, but that student is with that teacher for the whole day at the secondary level, you're not. Like that student has to go into like sometimes six or seven different classrooms a day with six or seven different groups of peers, six or seven different teachers. And they might not want to re-explain to every teacher that that morning was really rough for them. They missed the bus. They got to school late. They forgot their homework. Their device isn't charged. You know, their Chromebook's not charged or whatever. And they're just feeling like today's a a hit or miss today. Like not a good day for them. And they don't want to like walk into every classroom and be like, hey, you know, I had a bad day this morning, re-explain it. But if you have a good relationship with that student and they, in your check-in, you saw that they were upset, you can then reach out to them and say like, hey, do you want me to let your other teachers know today was a rough day for you? Just so they know and they don't, you know, you don't have to keep re-explaining it to everyone um, or whatever. And that can go such a long way with building a relationship. I know that yeah. building relationships with your students is like so abstract. It's like, how do I do that? There's no class in school that's like building relationships with your students 101. It's just like, oh, you're a teacher. You have, you know, a passion to work with kids. So obviously you know how to build relationships with kids. And that's not necessarily the case. And some people want like more structure around that. Mm -hmm. And a really great way to build relationships is to check in with them, you know, and there can be a lot of different ways that you do that. Um, I know some teachers that pass out like a post-it and the kid just puts their like their name on the post-it and like a one, two or three or like a rating or a heavy face or a sad face or something, even high schoolers like doing this. And then you just can collect them and like go through them while they're doing like bell work or something and be like, okay, these are the kids that are having a really great day. These are the kids that are not having such a great day. Let me make sure that I touch base with who I need to touch base with, you know, let the kids that are having a really great day know that I'm so happy and proud of them and that the other kids know I'm there to support them. Yeah. And I'm just thinking now, you know, something that a new teacher might get a little anxious about is let's say on a check-in, you know, a student reveals something to them and they're like, okay, what do I, like, how do I, how am I supposed to handle this? But I think as a new teacher, you have to remember that there are support staff within your building that you can go to and you could ask these questions and that you aren't in expected as a new teacher to know how to handle every single situation, especially when it comes to 
something that our students are feeling or something that they're going through. That's why you have the support staff, you have the counselors, the social workers, the psychologists um, that are there for you to go to in these situations. So, um, and I love that you brought up too about, you know, going to that student who's, who's having a good day, right? You know, sometimes we're like, all right, well, let me just find the kids that are going through something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can't forget about our students that are also feeling good and they should be validated and, you know, just as much as our students that are going through something. Um, and like you said, it's just a perfect way to continue building and establishing those relationships, which is really the foundation for everything. Right. Absolutely. This has been such a helpful episode. You've given so many great tips that I know that new teachers, early career teachers can really focus on in terms of just like, where do I start in my classroom and what are some things that I should and could be doing to help really foster relationships with my students, build that strong classroom community and teach them really fundamental skills that'll lead to the success for the rest of the year for next year, whatever it might be. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. Yeah, no problem. This has been so much fun. And I really hope that your listeners um, will take at least something from this episode just to make them feel more confident in the classroom. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do it again sometime. Oh, for sure. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested, go over and listen to Rebecca's podcast, Ready, Set, Teach. She has so many episodes that are so helpful to new teachers and early career teachers that can really help set you up for success in the classroom. Also, go follow her over on Instagram at Miss Ready, Set, Teach. She posts amazing content that will also help you in your classroom. I really hope this episode was helpful. Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking for more strategies to put in place in your classroom, you should check out the completely free behavior intervention guide that I have for you. It is a 20 page guide with different behavioral interventions that you can start implementing in your classroom. This is perfect for new or early career teachers that want to increase the number of interventions that they can be implementing. So go check that out in the description. It is completely free. Let me know how you like it. If you want to connect more, or if you want to just carry on the discussion further, feel free to follow me over on Instagram at teaching behavior together and definitely follow Rebecca as well. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of the day.